Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dan Lanning remains a duck. Three coaching legends shift gears on their careers, and the Blazers continue to get stomped. I'm Aaron Fetchus of the Oregonian and Oregon Live. I'm joined by Brenna Green of Coin6. This is the Oregonian Sports Podcast. I'm on Fumes because I just got back from a trip to Dallas and then New York to watch and cover four Blazers games. Uh, I, I'm not going to say I'm on East Coast time still because I don't think that helps my argument because I stayed up late a lot when I was there. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just tired. How about that? Uh, also, sure. also, I have a story about a missing wallet that we'll hope, hopefully oh. get through today. Uh, yeah, very interesting story. Anyway, before we get started, please uh, subscribe to our subtext feature. Just text JOIN to 503-386-0095 and you will receive text with hot breaking news and insights and uh, links to stories from myself and Bill Orm and James Crepia, Nick Dashell, etc. You'll get a link, click on it, start a 14-day trial, and then after that, it's only $3.99. And I know Brennan would play $39.99 a month just to hear my takes and see my text, right, Brenna? I get to hear them for free every week, Aaron. Actually, and why, actually, why, why, actually we're paying actually, you. Actually, technically, <laughs> I get paid you. to hear them every week. So, <laughs> so, so, so look, I think you, I'm sitting pretty you, pretty right you're now. You're the luckiest person in Portland. What are you talking about? I am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get to hear them for free. I get paid. You get Let's paid. go. That's, that's, we had to drag you in here kicking and screaming with the paycheck, right? Ventress? Oh, I didn't listen to Ventress for an hour? She got to pay me. She is my Venmo. Anyway. <laughs> All right, let's get to the hot topic. Dan Lanning. Woo, boy. Man, that report came out about saving, and it was instant. Like, uh-oh. Like, perked up your head. Like, look around. Like, what's going on? Because, of course, that would be one of the places where you would think would be just absolutely a no-brainer that he would go there. But he's not. He's not. He put out a video recently, Oregon did, with him saying he's staying in a kind of a kind of cool, cool, cute little way where he's talking to the kids and they got the graphics and all that kind of stuff. Very well-produced video. Uh, but here's the question, Brenna. This, this is the question. Mm. We've I, been, I know, I know you, Aaron. We, well, we've been here before with Mario in Miami in 2018. So the question I have is: Did he turn down Alabama, or did he not receive an offer? He wasn't going to be their top choice, and so then you just kill the rumors by just saying I'm staying. But I'm staying is different than I turned down Alabama and I'm staying. So. And, and and the only difference there is, 
that one would show, oh my God, he might be here for 10 or 15 years. And the other one would be, well, maybe they want him to prove more. And then in a couple of years, if the new coach they hire doesn't work out, they can circle back around, which is exactly what happened with, my, with Mario in Miami. So anyway, what's your point? What's your take? What do you think about the entire thing? I mean, I'm not sure if it really matters if he got offered or not. I understand why in your your view it does, but um, I think he still would. Okay, but I think, okay, I I think that if he would have signaled to them that he was interested, they would have at least entertained the idea. They would have at least interviewed him. Uh, He was number one on so many different people's boards. Who people? What people? People who cover, writers who were in the know. Right, writers, these these guys put out lists all the time that are jacked up. That aren't even remotely okay, close no. to to legitimate. All the time. I trust Bruce so, Feldman. Bruce Feldman from the shoot. Athletic a lot. So you know he was he was up there on Bruce's list and a lot of other people. It's not about trust for me necessarily. Is it's that speculation? It's just speculation sometimes. Now, what did Feldman say that he was Bama's number one target? He said he was in the top. That he that if he were to put a list together, the landing would be in the top three. Right. If he were to put a list together, what's Bama's I, list though? Okay. I don't think Bama's list a <laughs> is necessarily out there, but B I think that Bama would have absolutely at least interviewed him if they, if they want, if they wanted him, and he was cool with that, you know? Um, I don't, I don't see why they wouldn't. That doesn't well, necessarily mean he would have gotten the job. But he has connections to Bama. He's a young coach, which is something that I'm sure is a plus on their end because they're like, oh, you could be here for 30 years or whatever. Brenna, what has he done? He's gone to a Pac-12 championship game in his second year as a head coach. Right. He took took over a program that was winning 10 games a year. He maintained it, went to the conference championship game, and lost as a 10-point favorite. He was 1-4 against his two rivals. I'm not saying he's not a good coach. I'm not saying he's not going to be the next Nick Saban. I'm not saying anything negative about the guy at all. I'm just saying, if I'm Alabama, am I hiring a two-year head coach that hasn't won a championship? Are you hiring Dabo Sweeney, who hates the transfer portal? He's got national titles. I don't know. Maybe you convince him to, to change that. I'm not, and I'm not saying he's the not. Well, I'm not saying he's the pick either. I'm just saying yeah. that between the two, one of them has won multiple national titles, right? Correct, but also one of their programs has been floundering while the other one has been rising. I mean, you know, okay, so he's he's no longer a viable candidate because they're in a dip. Okay, I mean, that's fine. What about, uh, um, my God, Kiffin? Kiffin, to Kiffin me, is makes- a definite no. Definite no? That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen? Why? <laughs> um... Before the Alabama game this year, he was coming out and saying that their defensive coordinator wasn't calling plays anymore and like uh, causing chaos in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, and people... basically, and basically, when he left there, was pushed out the door before a national championship game and was basically like, oh, like we don't really need him for this game because they were done with him. You know, people get over these types of things. <laughs> Okay. Well, <laughs> okay. So who you think, think who you think is gonna get the job? Well, one of the ideas that was floated around was Mike Norvell, which is an interesting one, um, especially because his buyout is only four million. So that's uh, okay. it's a much nicer number than Dan Lanning's. And that's that's another question. So was Bama even interested? So 
was Bama interested in taking a two-year head coach who hasn't won anything yet, and he hasn't won anything yet. Here's the thing about, about this past season. They had a very good season. Their, their best wins, though, were over 8-5 and five USC and 8-5 and five Utah. He's 1-4 against his rivals. He blew a 31-10-point lead last year with, with the Pac-12 championship game still within reach, reaching it at Oregon State. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not saying he hasn't done well, but yeah. sometimes people try to ignore certain things that are just like right in your face. And if, if I'm Alabama, yep. I, I would feel like there's better candidates, more proven candidates out there. Now, if they can't get those and they might circle back to him, I just don't believe that they're making a list. They're going, our number one target is Dan Lanning. If it is, if it was, and he turned that down or said, no, I'm not interested, don't even bother, then that's amazing for Oregon because he might never leave. But if he was, we talked to them and they're like, yeah, we got you on a list of like five guys. He's like, no, I'm good. That's different. That's all I'm saying. That's a huge difference. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, I don't think that Alabama got to the point where they were. If, if you saw, did you see Nick Saban's interview earlier today? I saw part where of it. He I, said I that he didn't. He he didn't make a final decision until five minutes before he was supposed to meet with his team. <laughs> um. So you know, I I don't think that. It, I mean, yes, you can kind of you know get some soft feelers out there if you're Alabama, but you know that's such a sensitive subject matter that if you send out too many feelers to too many coaches and it gets out that Saban is considering retirement, like that's not that's not good. So, you know, I just don't know. I don't know how how far they've gotten into the process of really hiring somebody. So, you know, who knows? All I know, you know, I, I think that at the very least, there would have been an interview. I don't think that I don't, I'm not saying that Lanning is their number one choice. You know, I obviously I do not have that intel and have that sort of thing. Okay. But I, I do think that there probably would have been an interview at the very least if Lanning wanted to do that okay and if you're if you're landing and you feel like you have to compete with three or four or five coaches to get it and go through an interview an interview, an interview process that's a process where we're going to interview three four or five people to figure out who we want versus okay you're our guy but come in an interview those are two different things as well then if you're landing and you feel like you're not going to get it or it isn't a high probability you're going to get it then it doesn't make sense for you to go interview with for it because if you don't get it, it makes you look horrible. And college football, maybe more than any other level of sports, is so much about politics. It's it, We've seen it here at Oregon. The, the last three coaches that left, all set, counting Chip, all said almost similar, just absolute carbon copy things before they left. There's a playbook for this. And so, as far as I'm concerned, Lanning's kind of following that playbook. That doesn't mean it's necessarily all disingenuous. I'm just saying that, to me, there's a huge difference between Bama wanted him, and he said no, stiff-armed him, and Bama was interested in him and a bunch of other guys, and he said, ah, you know, if, if, you're, if I'm not your number one target or you're not offering me the job, then I'm good. Those are, or they just were like, yeah, you're just on the list, and, you know, we'll get back to you. Those are all completely different scenarios that mean different things. That's all I'm saying. 
And right now it's being spun as he turned down Bama, which is exactly what people did in 18 with Mario, thinking that Mario turned down Miami when he did not. Miami had no interest in Mario Cristobal. But when people came, but after that was decided, and people came back around to Mario, oh, I'm, I'm a duck, I'm staying here, I'm not going anywhere. Well, of course you're not going anywhere. You don't have a job to go to. But people took it as he turned down Miami, and that was just not even a thing. But then a few years later, after he proved himself more, after he actually won some stuff, Miami came back around, and he was out. So that's why for me it matters, because if he turned down a job offer from Alabama or as a serious high-end one or two candidate, then that means he might be in Oregon forever until he has a bad year and they want to fire him. <laughs> but if he just did wasn't even a top choice, then it means he's still a flight risk. That's why it matters. <laughs> All I know is that I, I'm wearing, if you're watching it, if you're listening to us and not watching this, I'm wearing an Oregon sweatshirt today on this podcast, not because... <laughs> Not because Nothing. I You're a duck fan? grew up a fan. Mm -hmm. Nope, that's not it at all. Okay. It's because I am a fan of myself, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and that, and today, Dan Lanning guaranteed that I do not have to drive two hours to Eugene, stand outside in the rain and do live shots, and then drive back two hours plus, probably, because we'd be driving back later on at night. And, uh, and... And, and do that whole rig of a roll. So thank you, Dan, for making my day much easier. I appreciate it sincerely. So, yeah, it's all about Brenna. <laughs> we, should I mean, you know, we should have a segment called It's All About Brenna where you come up with something that's I'm all about you. I'm a fan of me, first and foremost, okay? <laughs> I'm a fan of of not having uh, an additional six, an additional eight hours onto my week that I have to then figure out on the back end how to not get, you know, how to how to sneakily avoid OT and stuff like that. So anyways, yeah. Uh, yes, I, you know what? I don't think anybody can blame me for being a fan of myself right now. Hey, and, I've been there. Uh, so yeah, I know, thank I've you, been Dan. There. I know it's, I'm, not, I'm not even hating. I've been there where you're like, Ken Go used to always say he pulled for the story. He didn't pull for teams. Didn't pull, pull for players. He pulled for the best story. But like you, sometimes I pull for the best situation for moi. <laughs> right? So what, what am I going to have to do if this happens today? What am I going to have to deal with if this happens? So I hear you. Let me just say this, though. Regardless of how it came down or what led to where or what, you know, agent had his call with Bama or Dan Lanning or whatever happened, huge regardless that he's staying that would have just been a kick in the face oh my again God. and and going into the big 10 and you know i mean fans love him you know and he's he's developed he's already developed in two years a real uh a real not, not just connecting with the fans but a real synergy with the Oregon brand and the university and the program, you know, where like you don't program. feel like he's just some guy who came here and is coaching the team. He feels like he's already a part of, you know, everything that, that is Oregon. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he fits right in and he's, he's, he's in there. Like he's in there. If you're hugging someone, you're in there, you're in there. And so it would just, it would just be awful for, for that to happen for a third straight time. 
especially with all the momentum he's built. Um, so good, good for the Ducks, you know. But I, I just again, I just still wonder, you know, what could be on the horizon if his star keeps rising, if he does win the Big Ten, if he does. I mean, I think they're. I think they're going to have probably a 50, 60 percent, uh, maybe 60, 70 percent chance to be in the playoffs next year with the twelve team. Um, and, I, and I only say 60, 70 mainly because things happen. Andrew, you know, you lose your quarterback, you lose a couple. The next, you know, you, yeah. you know, you know what I mean. But if everything goes fine, then it's probably 80, 90. Um, but then you know that's that's going to be easier to do. So it's not going to have as much cachet. But if you win and get to the final four, like if he does that, or if he wins the conference. Then his his value goes up, and then you would see a situation like this with Bama. I think if Bama came open in a few years, or whatever, or someone else, where the push would be harder and more aggressive and more public, and we would know more than just a bunch of people speculating on speculating on a list. Like we'd know this is their target. This is where they're they're going after, um, and that's just not, that that feel isn't there now. Whereas like with Mario, would when that job came open. It was like everyone knew Miami, Mario. Miami was after Mario, period. There was no ambiguity at all. So good for Oregon that he's staying, but I still find the future to be fascinating with that guy because if he keeps doing well, he's going he's gonna to have people coming after him. And if he doesn't do well, then you know fans will want him gone anyway because the, the love people have for coaches is completely conditional. All right, let's move on to NFL coaches. Huge changes. Pete Carroll retires from the Seahawks, but will still work for the organization. Belichick and Kraft, Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, agreed to a parting of ways, and Belichick still wants to coach. So first, <clears throat> first, let's talk about Pete Carroll, because that's simple to me. Um, greatest coach in, in Seahawks history. Yep. Clearly established a, an aura about that that team and the legion of boom he's a defensive guy a lot of those guys were, were late in the mid to late round picks uh he put that thing together along with john schneider and they became one of the most popular teams in in the country i mean they had a huge following still do uh didn't get that second super bowl i was at both the second one oh man that was crazy how they lost that but they lost it still still he'll be a hall of fame coach uh, what's your what's your take on his legacy in Seattle, and will he ever be surpassed? Or I'd say ever. I mean, we might be dead, and someone can surpass him, but <laughs> it's going to be hard. I mean, you got to win two Super Bowls, right? It's one of those things where it's like I don't remember who the coach was there before Pete off the <laughs> top of my head. It was Jim Moore Jr. for one year. I covered that year too. <sighs> Dad, I... but who was before? It was yeah, it was Holmgren, Moore for one season, and then uh, Carroll. Yeah, see, like, you know, I, I didn't really grow up in a, a huge NFL household, so the Seahawks were not something I watched every mm, Sunday by okay. any means. That was just not what was going on. Um, but, yeah, I just, like, don't remember the Seahawks without Pete Carroll. Um, so, you know, I think that says everything about his legacy up there. And, you know, you've been around him more than I have. I've been around him a few times, but nothing that uh, really constitutes me, quote-unquote, covering him. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was, 
I mean, I, I think it says it all. When you're when you get an ovation walking out of your press conference like he did, you know, like that says a lot because the media is only going to do that for people that they really respect. I, I wonder if Belichick got an ovation today. It doesn't seem like Belichick would want an ovation, to be honest with you. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but yeah, like he, you know, he got an ovation walking out of there, and that's because he has always been a straight shooter with people, and um, I really uh, respect that about him as as a, as a media member. Um, so yeah, I mean, I. His legacy yeah. to me is I don't remember the Seahawks without Pete Carroll, and I think that says everything. His press conferences were usually gold. Um, very, uh, he always did a very good job of explaining things and talking about the team, and even controversial things. You know, even things people questioned, he would just give his explanation. Even the Super Bowl, they lost <clears throat> the Marshawn Lentz play. Like he gave an amazing football explanation as to why they passed right there, and it's hundred percent makes sense what he did. I don't like the the exact play they ran. But it totally made sense to pass right there. And he explained it. He explained it at a, a high-end level, a high-end football level that 95% of people would not grasp or even think of because you're not immersed in the sport. Like, he is, obviously. And it, it backfired. But he <laughs> at least, the point is that he explained it. Like, he didn't get defensive. He didn't get mad. He explained it right there at the press conference. <laughs> at the post-game press conference. He broke it down. The, top, the downs. Um, how many downs they had left, how much time they have left, how many timeouts they had left. If you pass there and you get incomplete, you're going to get two more plays. If you run there and you get stuffed, you might only get one more play uh, because you only had one timeout. So, it, you know, he explained it. Um, and he was always like that. He always just broke things down, like almost like he was giving a, a class. You ask a question, I'm going to give you a lecture and a class on why we do these things. And it was always mm -hmm. fun going to his press conferences. He obviously did a great job. Let's say he made the playoffs one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten out of it looks like fourteen years, fifteen years, right? Anyway, ten out of fourteen or fifteen years made the playoffs. Now, some fans, you know, we only won one Super Bowl. There's no such thing as only one Super Bowl. <laughs> An average, the average would be winning a Super Bowl every thirty-two years, right? So if you win one, you know, you, you did pretty damn good, unless it's been fifty years, like the Bears. But that's another story. I was going to say, this is coming from a Bears fan who would understand the, uh, well, sure. appreciate the Super Bowl win more than anybody. Well, yeah, they want it. So I'm, I'm six years overdue for the next one with them, I think. Anyway, so he, he, he was amazing. I think coach. it's going to be, it might be more than six years here, and I hate to tell you that. <laughs> Stop. Anyway, uh, now the other coach, Bill Belichick, won six Super Bowls. Arguably the greatest NFL coach of all time. I say arguably because, you know, there's a lot of variables. Say. There's, well, there's a lot of variables that can go into what determines and constitutes that. But clearly, yeah, I wouldn't put anyone flat out ahead of him. But definitely, if you're, you know, I, I'd vote him number one, but I just say arguably because I think there could be arguments. Anyway, uh, he goes out from New England after a couple bad seasons, post Tom Brady. Couldn't, you know, quarterback's tough, man. It's tough to find the right signal caller, the right guy who can make plays. Mac Jones wasn't the guy, and it, di it didn't work out. Um, he's, but he's not done coaching. What, what do you think? What do you think he's gonna do? You think teams will be after him? Huh. I mean, he's like seventy something. There's an opening in Tennessee right now that shocked everyone. Come on, why is that an opening? 
You think because they think they're gonna get him? He wouldn't do that to Ray. He wouldn't do that to his boy Mike uh, Rabel. I mean, it wouldn't be him doing anything to Rabel. He didn't. Well, if they fired him because they knew Belichick was interested, that'd be doing something. That would be doing something. I don't know. (laughs) Um. Yeah, I mean, he'll. It's Bill Belichick. He could be 90, and if he still wants to coach, a team would be like, we'll take a flyer. Like, Yes, I, I agree. Someone's, gonna, someone's probably going to get him. Yeah. But it has, it has to be... So I listen to a lot of Chicago podcasts, and this, this has come up there, and people have said in Chicago that they don't know if they'd want him because his personality or whatever. I'm like, you guys are morons. But if you're polls, the GM, do you want him because he's a personnel person? So then are, do you lose control? Right, if you're Bulls a GM, you're a young GM, yep. and Bill Belichick comes in with six, six Super Bowl rings, you're you're gonna really tell him no when he says he wants this guy or that guy. That that's just not gonna work. So he has to go somewhere where where he's either cool, hundred percent cool with the GM, which apparently there's a report that he there was some talk that he might just give up the GM duties in New England. So maybe he would do that elsewhere, or he he's gonna go somewhere where he wants to control. For me, if I'm him, my first choice is a team with a quarterback. So I don't have to worry about that. You know, he, he made it one of the most amazing draft picks in the history of sports, taking Tom Brady in the sixth round and developing that guy from a game manager to a superstar. Um, and he had a first round pick with Mac Jones and that didn't work. To go somewhere where you don't have a quarterback and have to go through the process of trying to draft one, develop one, and or trade for one. To, at 70 something to me it would just be a headache because if you don't get it right you're gonna be struggling again i'm trying to get to the chargers like that's my first call because mm-hmm. justin herbert is sitting there and i can't imagine the chargers say no no i, I would just be stunned if, if if he wanted to go to the Chargers and they said now nah, we're good because you give bill belichick justin herbert he's gonna put a running game around him he's gonna a defensive genius and they'll be in the playoffs instantly, guaranteed. So that's if I'm him, that's where I'm going. If I'm the Chargers, I, I'm sending him a plane ticket now. <laughs> Did the Chargers fire their GM too? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's a perfect situation for him then, if that's the case. And if they hadn't yeah, yet, GM. if they hadn't yet, um, then yeah, they, because they just interviewed their inter- intern. If they hadn't, then. I tell the GM, give Bill, give Bill check whatever he wants. If I'm the owner, <laughs> so yeah. That's it. You got nothing else. That's it. You're good. That's it. I mean, yeah. That's... All right, we're, we're, oh. we're, we're cruising through this. Let's let's talk Blazers so I can get to my uh, wallet story. Please. All right. So, have you been? Did you watch them at all on this trip? It's okay if you um, have it. It's I okay. I don't have root sports at home, so I did have the Dallas game on when I was in the station on Friday, I believe, and I looked up and I saw 17 points and a quarter, or it was close to the end of the quarter, and thought to myself, well, this is going to be a long night. And it was indeed a long night. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that you got to see one win at least, because uh, the other three games were... Woo, baby. Stinkers. So they're, they're one yeah. and four on this trip with two games left. One game tonight as we're recording this against OKC. 
And I didn't mind recording with you on a game day because we don't have to react to this game. Because we can, well, we can react to the game right now because you're gonna get smoked. So, yeah. Damn, man. They got it's gonna be again. bad. Now watch them win, right? Because the NBA is so random. But I know they've lost four to five on this trip. The four losses were to winning teams by an average of twenty eight point five per game. The one win was overtime win over the Nets. Now the. Sometimes when you, for, I'm going to speak for myself. I cover a team and you see individuals do certain things and I, I piece it together in my mind that they could be dangerous to a certain point. And I've watched this team now beat Phoenix, Sacramento, uh, Cleveland, Indiana. That's four huge quality wins, right? So mm-hmm. I go into the Dallas game. I, I didn't go to the Phoenix game. I went to the Dallas game, the, the, two, the, the two in Dallas. I go to the first one. And I said to Casey Holdall, no, no, that was the next night. Second game. They, they, they got blasted the first game. I said, the second game, I think they're going to win tonight. He goes, really? <laughs> but what, what I ignored, and I realized this afterwards, was that I was looking at the guys like, oh, I've seen Tumani play well. I, I've seen Duop play well. I've seen Scoot have moments. I've seen Sharp play well. I've seen Ann play well, right? Pieced all together, and then Luca's out. They can win this game. But what I was ignoring <laughs> was the fact that I was talking about a bunch of three rookies. One who's nineteen, <laughs> a second round pick, a twenty seven year old rookie, right? Sharp, who's on a minutes restriction, and who had just been sick. You had no rim protection whatsoever. Because I'm sorry, Reef and Baji are not ready to be on the floor for 20, 30, 40 minutes. I guess a team that mm-hmm. wants to attack the rim. And you got Kyrie Irving and a, and, a, and a bunch of guys who know what they're doing NBA-wise, even without Luka. And with Luka, which is a bloodbath, obviously. And they just, just beat them just from experience and knowledge and know-how and aggressiveness and just knowing what you're doing. And Billups made this point and, and, Cha- and Anthony made this point about how many guys on their team are still not just learning how to play themselves, but learning how to play against the guys they're playing against, like learning in the league. And so you're dealing with all these young players. You're trying to figure out their offense, their defense, and, oh, how do I play this guy? How do I not play this guy? I've never really played this guy before. And that's when you get these ridiculous blowouts. The same thing with the Knicks. They go out there with the Knicks, and I'm like, I'm talking to Sean Hiking, like, what do you think is going to happen? And I go, I go, man, you know, they play well against the Nets. I think maybe they can, they're going to lose, but maybe only be like 10 to 15. They were down 15 in the first quarter. And, and, and you rough. just saw it, like Randall and OG and Brunson, like those three were just toying with the Blazers because the Blazers were a bunch of little kids out there other than Grant and Malcolm, two guys. And then Ant's kind of a middle kid, right? Ant's kind of still, still, still a kid, 24, but, you know, and it's just you know, that's just what they are right now. They miss Aiton, who hasn't been great, but at least Aiton gives you a veteran guy who's played a lot of basketball and been to the NBA finals. Like he just knows how to do certain things. That's a huge, mm-hmm. huge, huge up from WAP and, uh, and Baji. So right. it just, it just kind of, it's just is what it is. It's just, it's who they are. If they're fully healthy, they can, they can do some things. If not, and they got rim protection issues, they're just, they're out of team's mercy, a good team's mercy. Anyway. And they're never fully healthy. And when they are fully healthy, they can't figure out how to play with each other because never they never play healthy. with each other. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And 
and we have reached the end of this chapter. Goodbye. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, like I'll I'll give it. They they fought against the Nets, so way to go there. I mean, at least at least there's one win on this trip. And then next we got. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, you go on. Go no no no. Go no, ahead. Go ahead. Net, you so are the net. The next game. They won because Sharp and Ant went bonkers. They combined for 59 points and shot ridiculous. They shot combined 50% on threes. Uh, so they ha- those two have to be playing at a super high level to compensate for everything else we talked to. And that was against a losing team. They still almost lost. Um, but against, a, like, tonight against the Thunder, like, the Thunder's defense is just too good. Uh, Aiden most likely won't play tonight against the Thunder. He might come back against Minnesota. But, you know, so unless Ant goes for 35 and Sharp comes off the bench for 25 or starts, that's 60, but if those two only combine for 25, 30, like they did in the, in the blast, they're just, they're just toast. There's no, no one else is stepping up. I mean, like Grant and Malcolm are going to do fine, but you need more than that when those two aren't playing well. So, yeah. All right, real quick. Do yeah, you, it's, wh- it's, it's just, it's, you know. How do you, so I see a lot of people griping about Billups. How do you evaluate Billups and all of this? Ugh, it's so hard. It's so hard because, you know, as I've as I've just mentioned, he has not really ever had a healthy healthy team to coach. Right. It it's never happened. However, at some point, well, you know, you got to figure out how to make it work. But then I go, well, has he even had, you know, been given the pieces to really like have a chance to make it work? I'm not really sure. Um so yeah, that's the thing that's really it's really hard to evaluate a coach where, you know, what? We've had like maybe 5 games this year where everyone's been healthy. Maybe. Um so that and you know, his tenure has been has been a lot of issues with health and sitting guys to get picks. Um <laughs> you know, I I I do think that, you know, I I remember when he was brought in and thinking, does he does he really have the credentials to be a head coach right now? Like, does he need a little bit more time just like coaching? But then you know you see other people who are able to come in and get it done. So you know that that's really that's that's hard to really identify. And obviously he was brought in under somebody who was no longer there. So that's another thing. But. And that was, you know, he was going to bring in his his friends first and foremost, and that was that was pretty uh, well known. That isn't a secret. Um, so yeah, you know, it's just it's it's hard. It's it's a hard situation. Um, but you know, I don't see how they can do. I can see how we can stretch this into next year. If this continues next year, I just don't see how they don't try to get. That try to change the face around there because I think just four years of having the same thing over and over again with the same guy in charge, not necessarily saying it's his fault, but it is what is happening. Then, you know, at some point you just got to switch it up because just because, right? Just because he, he may want to switch it up, right? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. No, I, I agree with everything you're saying. If I mean, off the top of my head, when I think about his tenure. The times when they've been healthy, like reasonably healthy, I'm not saying like everyone had to be healthy, right? But where you're reasonably healthy, like you're not missing three out of your rotation, right? Um, yeah. He's over 500, I think, or right around it. 
if I go back and mm-hmm. really, I, I've been meaning to kind of do a deep dive on that and go back and look at that, but it's, it's obviously very tedious. But, you know, the first year, they're 10 and 8, and then <clears throat> Dame has the core thing act up, and then CJ has a lung collapse. <laughs> Season's <laughs> over, right? Season's over. January 1st, yeah. Dame's out for the season already. Um, but with but with Ant and Nurk as the lead guys, when those two played together, they were 12 and 12 until they shut it down. Mm-hmm. That's without that's with CJ playing part of the time before he got traded, and that's without Dame. That was impressive because you're you didn't really, I mean, Ant Nurk, that's your one-two, and you're 500. So that to me is a is a, a high quality season from for him for him from me for me. Last year they were over 500 and they were playing well, and then Little went out, and then not not little. Uh, Winslow, who was one of their better defenders and, and versatile guys, and, and could you know uh, play some point forward. And then I Nurk, forgot he played for the for the Blazers. Right, Continue. And then, right, and then Nurk, and their defensive rating went up ten points because after losing those guys, basically, because you go from you go from Winslow to Watford. You know, more who wasn't a very good defender and was young, right? just a kid. Yep. Um, you didn't have, a, and they, they admitted this at the end of the season, they didn't have a lot of veteran depth or height or length. And then you lose Nurkic, who's a plus defender, and go to Eubanks, who's a negative, negative defender, right? And then Ann goes out, and then Grant goes out, and then they just tank it. So again, right there, when they were reasonably healthy, they were above 500. You come into this year, and you're built to lose, period. You're just built to lose. You have way too many kids, way too much youth way too many guys who just don't know how to play at this level. And then you have injuries and ants missed 21 games. So it's very difficult for me to judge him at all. I'm not going to say that. I, I know way more about football than I do basketball. Um, <clears throat> as far as the intricacies and X's nose, ins and outs, because I played and coached football, but I just don't believe for a second that if you, if you give him, if you give him a playoff caliber roster, I think he's going to the playoffs. If you give him a roster, not built to win, He's not going to magically make it win, just like Popovich in, in San Antonio, who, by the way, is working on his fifth consecutive losing season. He hasn't had a winning season since 1819. Does he suck as a coach all of a sudden? No, he just doesn't have Duncan, right? He doesn't have Tony Parker, Kawhi. Like, he just doesn't have the horses he had before. He's got a bunch of kids. He's been trying to rebuild, and he's working on his fifth consecutive losing season. because he, and he, He's got no one picking, got the unicorn Wimby, and they're what, like seven and twenty-seven or something like that? So is he a bad coach? So that that's sort of what I sort of look at. Like you gotta have players, you gotta have balls, you gotta have health. Blazers don't have it. I can't blame Bills, but who knows what Cronin's evaluation would be. And like you said, it wasn't Cronin wasn't or excuse me, Bills wasn't Cronin's hire, you know? So I don't even think it's gonna be a Cron I don't, I don't think it's gonna be a Cronin call. Burt Cole? Well, <laughs> It's it's that's a that's a Bert and Jody call, baby. <laughs> same way, same thing that went down in Seattle. That was not a John Schneider call. That was a that was most definitely. I mean, it's documented. It was a Jody and Bert call. So Fair enough. yeah, I don't. Yeah. All right, All right, let's hear about this wallet. All right, so I'm flying back from New York, and it's about five hour flight from actually Charlotte, New York to Charlotte, Charlotte to Portland. I go to the bathroom. I come back and I can't find my wallet. It's kind of dark. I can't feel for it. It's not in my pockets. I'm like, did I leave in the bathroom maybe? I, don't, I just couldn't find it. But I wasn't too worried about it because where could it have gone? It's got to be on the plane, right? I'm watching the TLC documentary. <laughs> Love me some TLC. 
and I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. Okay, fine. Plane lands. I look all over for it. I look all in my, my bag. Um, I look all around my seat. I can't find it. So I asked a stewardess. Can someone turn in a wallet? Because if I dropped it on the way to the bathroom or back or in the bathroom, um, and she said, no, no one turned in a wallet. She, after people go by, she checks the bathroom. She tore it. Like she literally pulled off the seat cushion where I was sitting and the one next to me. We looked all over the place. We even looked like she went back several rows just in case it slid back. I went up several rows, couldn't find it. I'm just, I, and I looked at my coat, which I put up in the, in the top. And I'm just like, okay, where is this thing? This is just crazy. Um, so they said if you left it in Charlotte, they might have called ahead and said, hey, we found this guy's wallet. He was on this flight. I checked with the person at the gate. They said no one called about it. So I'm just like, okay, it's, I don't know. We'll see if it turns up lost and found or something. I'm sorry. I think I, I need a new license anyway. You know, the, the brand, you probably one of the newer licenses was like all colorful. Yeah. Yeah, I need to get one of those anyway. Cause if, if, in what year is it? They keep delaying it, but it's at some point you have to have that to get on the planes. I think it's 2025. Yeah. I remember wasn't it like 2020 at one point or something? Oh, anyway, it was 2020. And then, and then this thing called the pandemic happened. Right. And they kept extending and extending it. Right. Yeah. I've been extending and extending it. So I'm um, no big deal. I can cancel my cards, you know, life goes on. Right. But then I, I forgot that I have a t air tag on it because <laughs> I never use it. And I'm walking. I get far away from the gate and my air tag goes on. And it says it's back at a different gate from where I was, but it was at the gate where I actually stopped to tie my shoes. So I go back there and it's not there. I don't see it anywhere. And I'm like checking to see where it could be. And because I'm thinking, why would it be there? But it does mean it made it to Portland. So someone had it. Someone had it, Brenna. So, but there's hardly anyone around. And I'm not going to be walking up to random people going, you want to fly for Charlotte? You got my wallet? Pow, 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 right? I'm not going to do that. <laughs> this isn't an action. This isn't the born identity five fetches of wallet. So anyway, I just, I'm, think, I'm thinking, okay, this is weird, but whatever. So I, I walk out, my wife's picking me up. I get in the car and we get home and I check my phone again to find it. And now it's in a parking lot at a Winco in the, uh, like about 102nd off of 84 and 205. And I'm thinking, okay, now is this like a false read? Cause we drove by there. So then could it be in my bag? So I just couldn't find it before. So I dumped out everything in my bag, just completely pulled everything out. Had a bunch of crap in there that I need to get out of there anyway. <laughs> I store napkins. Whenever I eat somewhere and I have extra napkins, I don't throw them away. If they're clean, I put them in my bags. I have a bunch of napkins in my bag. That's the most boomer thing I've ever heard. Wasting napkins. I can't waste it. It's a fresh napkin. I might need to blow my nose, Brenna. Anyway, the boomer thing would be having a handkerchief to blow my nose. Not, not, a, not a, uh, if you could see that, you don't, you don't, you don't know about that? Back in the olden, olden times, they, you don't know about that? Oh, I used to no. handkerchief. Oh, okay. oh, oh. You know Did I that? have a grandma that okay. used to they, use a, a that, snot rag to clean nasty? me up? Isn't that so nasty to think about? Anyway, so, so I can't find it. And then I go and check again. And now it's a couple blocks west at a gateway, excuse me, or at a transit center for Max. Oh, yay. So, Brenna, one of two things happened. Either someone on the plane got it and kept it, or someone on the cleaning crew got it 
and kept it. So I had a couple credit cards and my debit card with me. I checked my debit card right away to see if any transactions had been attempted and none had, and I locked it. I locked the card on my app. And then I remember which, I had three credit cards. I was trying to remember which ones I had. I remember two and it was one of them I couldn't remember. But anyway, I went on, I went on the app and those apps and I blocked those as well. And there was no attempt at transactions I could see yet. And I want to see today, because sometimes the, the transactions get delayed, right? And they don't show up right away. And there's been no tr attempted transactions, or at least that could have gone through pre-block. But the wallet, or they took the AirTag out and finally figured that out and just kept the wallet. Or they, threw, they took the cars out and threw the wallet away. It's still pinging at that station. So do I drive out there and look for it? Well, let's just say screw it because there's no way they took it and didn't take the cards. The only thing that I might mean, those be air there tags is the... are expensive, so go right. get your air tag. Go get man. my air tag. So maybe, but maybe my license is in there, but I gotta get a new one anyway. So anyway, that's my wallet story. I think you need to skedaddle, so I'm gonna let you go. But yeah. that does not sound enjoyable. It was kind of stressful. Uh, kind of. But, but the mistake was, I forgot about the air tag thing. On the plane, I could have just air tagged it right there. Then I at least would have known it was in on the plane. Yeah. And then I could have just frisked everyone as they left. <laughs> Up against the wall. You have my wallet? Yeah, you do. You look guilty. Hey. All right. I have to jet. Brenda has to jet. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with uh, maybe we'll have more uh, firm idea of what went on with landing in Bama. We'll find out. Thanks for listening.